I want to get this speaker up here, man. He just provoked my soul in this first service. I've known Pastor Francisco Vega for many years, over 20 years. We actually served together uh, in Detroit, Michigan. And so I'll let him tell you as much as he wants to tell you about himself. He has a lovely wife, uh, Minister Oshia Vega as well. They've been married for almost nine years or right about nine years. They have three wonderful children. He pastors a church in Atlanta, Georgia called the Ark Church, just doing a wonderful job helping people in that area uh, who actually need the help. And he's raising them up. He's got one young man with him who's a first generation college student from East Point, Georgia. So he's doing a great work in the areas where a lot of churches don't want to go today. Ephesians chapter 4, 11 and 12 says that he gave some apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers so that they can teach the word of God, which will edify and build up the body of Christ so that we all can come into the unity of the faith. Linked Up Church, would you all help me give a warm welcome to the ministry gift of Pastor Francisco Vega. Love you, man. Absolutely. Absolutely. Amen. Praise God. Can you give it up for Jesus and do a little bit better? Is that all you got today? Come on. Oh, hallelujah. Come on, let's bless him in the place today. Thank you, Lord Jesus. We worship you. We glorify you. We lift you up. You're worthy of our worship and our praise. Hallelujah. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Well, I bring you greetings. Uh, I got any northerners in the house? Anybody from New York in the building? Let me see. Some, oh, a couple of y'all came to the 9 a.m. service. But um, I just want to personally also greet all of our newcomers and first-timers. Thank you for taking your time out today to come and just receive and, and be blessed by one of the greatest churches on this side of Cobb County. You better hear what I'm saying to you. I want to publicly acknowledge Pastor Joe Gregory, Minister Trish Gregory. We have known each other. For, uh, fun fact, my wife was one of his youth when he started in ministry as a youth pastor, so I wouldn't have the dynamic ministry gift that I have. And my wife, amen, she's a Spelman graduate, an uh, awesome woman of God. If it wasn't for the integrity and the standard that him and his wife set, amen, that's a fact. So I confer double honor on Pastor Gregory, Minister Trish. How many you know it's, it's one thing to sow into you, it's another thing when they sow into your future wives and husbands, come on. You ought to honor, the Bible says in Hebrews 13, 17, that you ought to uh, yield and to submit to your spiritual leaders because they look out for your soul to take care of you. Amen. He should never have to ask for it, but it should be lavished generally, generously upon them, just honoring that because you don't get a lot of leaders of integrity, unfortunately, in the day and age we live in. And I can tell you, one of the greatest things I respect about the Gregory's is what you see is what you get. He's a man, and she's a woman of integrity. And so I've been cheerleading from the day they started linked up, and I'm going to be cheerleading 20 years after that in the name of Jesus. Amen. So one more time, give God praise. Amen. Ain't no hate in my blood. It's unfortunate. Amen. We, there's enough sinners in this city to go around. We're going to take the whole city for Jesus, Pastor Gregory. 
together as a family in the name of Jesus. Amen. Well, let's bow our heads for a quick word of prayer. Amen. Um, Father, I just thank you, Lord God, for the priceless privilege to stand behind this sacred desk and minister the pure, unadulterated word of the Most High God. This is not just some job or some vocation, uh, 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 occupation. This is a vocation. You have called me into this ministry to teach and proclaim your word, Father. I pray, Lord, that hearts and minds are dilated, that they would receive the engrafted, indelible word of God that repairs and restores even their mind and their will and their emotions and their souls. So, Father, in the mighty name of Jesus, I thank you for people's bodies even being touched and healed. You said in your word in Mark 16 that you would confirm the word with signs following. So, God, I thank you that even as the proclamation of the gospel and the word goes forth, people start to see pains lifting off of their joints and limbs and bodies, and they can sit peaceably and comfortably and be receptive to the word of God. So I give you praise, mighty Holy Spirit. We are not just people of the word. We are not just people of praise or just people of prayer. We are people of Holy Spirit power. And we thank you for it, and we give you praise in Jesus' name. Everybody shout, oh, yeah. Do me a favor and turn around before you're seated and say, it's so good to see you in the house of the Lord. And hug somebody who don't look like you and you don't know and just love on them today in the name of Jesus. Praise the name of the Lord. I want to publicly acknowledge my wife too. I think she's watching. She's in a time of, of ministry in Phoenix, Arizona. Anybody in here from Phoenix? Anybody? Okay, okay. I see. I love Phoenix. Baby, I love you. I can't wait for you to get home and bring my schnook with you. She took the baby with her. Amen. My kids might be here in second service or maybe holding it down in our services. But amen. Listen, we began part one in the previous service. I actually want to do a very quick touch and go on a review of some of the points just to get you acclimated to what we kind of presented for you. I want to acknowledge my mother. Praise God. This is my mommy. She came to support me. Come on, stand up, mommy. Boricua. I love you, Mom. Thank you. My mom down there praying for me. Amen. Um, uh, what we began to talk about, our text scripture was Acts, the 17th chapter, looking at verse 26 through 28. In the New King James, it'll be on, my, on the screen to your left and to your right. You can also follow with us on the YouVersion app if you look up live events and look up linked up. You'll have a plethora of notes. You should have pages in there. Part of my gift is I'm a preacher. I preach, but I believe in educating the body of Christ. We're in a season of, of dealing with tremendous epidemic of biblical illiteracy in our culture. You know, what is illiteracy when you can't understand how to read and write? You know, there is a level of literacy that is imperative for you to understand the scriptures. You can't just pick and choose and cherry pick scriptures uh, for your personal political biases and, oh... Amen. You got to understand systematic theology. What does that mean? There is a narrative in Scripture from Genesis to Revelation. If you think you see something, cross-check it with multiple authors and go from Genesis and search that scarlet thread all the way to the book of Revelation, and you'll get the perfect perspective and the balance of a particular issue in Scripture. Amen. So in Acts 17, what I'm going to be talking about today is one race, the culture of heaven and earth's destiny. One race, the culture of heaven and earth's destiny. So in Acts 17 chapter, verse 26 through 28 reads, it'll be on the screen here. 
We'll just read it here. It says, and he has made from one blood, say one blood, every nation of men to dwell on the face of the earth as and has determined their pre-appointed times and their boundaries or borders of their dwelling so that they should seek the Lord and in the hope that they might grope for him or feel for him and find him though he is not far from each of us. For in him we live and move and have our being also as some of your poets have said for we are his offspring. So culturally in the context of scripture there you'll see that he's speaking of all nations, all ethnicities, all cultures converging and he said he has created us from one blood. Uh, I might have a slide that might pop up here and there as I'm speaking. It'll just illustrate for touch and go on some of these things. There's something that was released this year called the Human Genome Project from Dr. Ken Ham. He's a Christian creationist scientist and they finally decoded the human DNA strand and they found that there is no differentiation between um, people who are complected or Caucasian or African or African-American that there literally is no difference that it is even uh, chromosomes and characteristics are just mutations that create certain traits but they literally found no differentiation in DNA and how many of you know this forensic technology is revealing more and more the science behind race and the science behind uh, being multicultural and having different ethnicities and we're all the same and scripture affirms in our text that God made us all from one blood we talked about last service from 1 Corinthians 15 that Adam's the first man and e, in Genesis 3 and 20 that Eve was to be the mother of all livings and how race is really a misnomer. There are no colors, but science has proven that all colors fall in different shades in the brown spectrum. So even our white brothers and sisters are brown. Now let's not forget, this is white. You understand? They actually have confirmed this. Amen? And they're showing there is no differentiation. In Ephesians 2, one of the most powerful and pivotal passages in the New Testament describing this issue of race that many are not aware of actually says this in the Passion Translation. And it says, and God, verse starting here in verse 14, says, um, our reconciling peace is Jesus. Shout Jesus. Jesus. He has made Jew and non-Jew one in Christ. Now, this is actually an ethnic innuendo of reconciliation between races through the shed blood of Jesus. He said, wow, he has died for our sacrifice and has broken down every wall, watch this now, of prejudice. He ha that has separated us and has now made us equal, notice that, equality through the union, our union with Christ. Verse 15 says it pretty clearer in case you didn't know the context. Verse 15 says, an ethnic hatred has been dissolved by the crucifixion of his precious body on the cross and the legal code that stood condemning every one of us has now been repealed by his command his triune essence has made peace between us starting over forming one new race of humanity say one say one race one new race of humanity Jews and non-Jews fused together See, we're, we're dealing with an epidemic of an assault against Christianity where ethnic identity movements and cults have questioned the veracity and the authenticity of the scriptures. Is it multicolored and multifaceted, multicultural and multiethnic, or is it simply an economic and an intellectual tool to enslave 
people, whether they're, whether they're color or their uh, particular pigment, or is the Bible the greatest tool of emancipation and abolition that has existed across all civilizations? I believe today you'll walk out with confidence knowing that the Bible, despite historical attempts to manipulate its contents, once people were literate of the contents of Scripture, it birthed abolition and birthed repeals of racism, and it brought the introduction even to our imperfect democracy in America of this concept of equality among all people. Mm-hmm. So he says, neither male nor female is dealing with gender oppression. Slave nor free is dealing with the economic oppression. And Jew or Gentile is speaking about the superiority of race, of any race or ethnicity over one person or the other. He says in Ephesians 2, that has all been done away with. It is broken down. This is a new creation reality master key for racial reconciliation. Are you with me today? And so we spoke about these different things and that the real master race is not white or black or any particular pigment, but it is those who have Jesus' genome coursing through their veins and have been recreated. 1 Peter 2 and 9 speaks of that we are a chosen race. So the really in the spirit realm, race, according to New Testament theology, deals with spiritual designation, not ethnic identity. And you are either regenerate or unregenerate, a.k.a. you're either saved or you're lost. Amen. This is why when Jesus shed his blood, we've received the blood transfusion from Calvary. We share the same blood type in the spirit. We are actual family. If you have accepted Christ, the DNA of Christ flows through your... First Peter 1.23 says that his word is incorruptible seed. The word seed in Greek is sperma, literally that carries the characteristics and the chromosomes of the father. So whether your pigment is brown, you're shaded, come on, you're melanin, you're red bone, you're yellow, come on, you're Asian. If you've accepted Christ, there is only two designations in kingdom culture of race that is acknowledged. You either have the blood of Jesus flowing through your veins or you don't. Genesis to Revelation showed you there's two designations, two statuses in the spirit, the seed of the serpent or the seed of the woman. That's it. Now, I'm saying this because we, our confidence has been shaken culturally with different movements ethnically, whether white, black, or Hispanic or other, that are challenging our confidence that this book is about emancipation. It's about freedom or it's a book of intellectual slavery. Now I'm preaching now. 2 Corinthians 5, 16 through 18 says, Paul said by the Holy Ghost, the Spirit of God says, we regard no man after the flesh. And it speaks of the ministry of reconciliation, not just being salvation, but it actually speaks about reconciling us one to another. So you can't be Christian and embrace racism. What I mean is, it is possible, let me be clear, because many of us don't understand in American culture, we compartmentalize our faith. So we believe correctly in one area, and we're completely aberrant in another area. You know, it's almost like a Mr. Potato Head brand smorgasbord of spirituality. You know, I like the greens of prosperity, but I don't want, you know, the healthy uh, parts of crucifying my flesh or character or reconciling with culture's that I have bitterness in my heart toward 
or seeds have been sown in me, and I would rather not see them progress. I would rather just see my people progress. We talked about my, our covenant with God would take us a lot further than our color will. And how the scriptures filled with, you don't study scripture merely topically, you study it principally. And race is all through the Bible from Genesis to Revelation. Many don't even know that Abraham, after Sarah died, he remarried an African woman ethnically. Her name was Keturah. They had six children. Many people don't know that Moses, when he went to Midian, he, he married another African woman. Her name was Zipporah. All through the Bible, there is never separate separation and segregation based on eth ethnicity, but God was very specific about segregation based on ideology. If you rejected the God of his, he had for, his foreign policy was allow and embrace foreigners because you were sojourners and foreigners in Egypt and other lands. But then he turned right around and he said, but if they turn your hearts to other gods, if they come in and you marry strange women and strange wives and they turn and make your heart cold toward God, he actually said to deport them. Now, you don't like deport, so let's just say, because it's very politically triggering, let's just say, don't let them infect the kingdom culture that I have ordained for you to establish. That's what makes America great. It's against our religion to force our religion, but we know since we got the best product on the spiritual market, you can believe whatever you want, but you're going to find equality, equanimity. You're going to find prosperity. You're going to find reconciliation. You're going to find a personal worth and identity in Christ, and there's no comparison. When you have the best product on the market, they can lay that thing out from every world religion in the world, and you can see the fruit of Christianity's impact on every civilization. Even when people say, well, what about the Dark Ages, the Spanish Inquisition? It's called the Dark Ages because pagans posing as priests locked up the scriptures and left it in Latin so citizens and civilians couldn't even study and read it. But when it was unlocked and unleashed and translated into the language of the people, it birthed the Renaissance movement. And watch, it wasn't just people dancing and running around church. They were starting to invent things. It was artists. Mathematics exploded. Y'all better study our history. This is called apologetics. Look at somebody and tell them, do apologetics. I just want to put that out there because, you know, I'm, I, get, I get stirred up for my Jesus and the Word of God. Now, let me move quickly. When, when do we see the origin of ethnicity? There's something called the law of first mentions. And the law of first mentions simply means where you see God set a precedent or introduce something for the first time, it becomes a guide or a warning of future acts of a similar kind. Long definition. The way God does it once, it will repeat itself. So you better watch it close in the Bible. Does that help? Okay. So where do we see that? First, we see in Genesis 1, 26 through 27, geneticists realize that when you have recessive and dominant genes, Adam and Eve were a complete amalgamation of every ethnic expression. Can you imagine if we put a picture of Adam and Eve up here? He probably had brown skin, crystal blue eyes, long, curly, uh, come on, kinky blonde hair with some slanted eyes. Because that's the only way. Or, which I would love to see that roll back in, beautiful, there we go. Roll back in heaven, I would like to see that maybe Eve was completely Eurocentric in all her features. 
And Adam was dark complected in his hair texture. And when they, because this is genetically factual. When it's mingled, that's the only way all the different genetic and ethnic expressions could have come out in their seed. So maybe Adam and Eve, and I believe this with all my heart, was the first multicultural couple God created in Scripture. Now, that's just science. We don't even need the Bible. That's just proven scientifically. That's the only way it could have happened. All right? So when God creates us, you already see a nod toward equality of all colors and cultures when he said he made man in his image. What does that do? That dignifies. That dignifies every culture, no matter the pigment or complexion or melanin. They are an imprint of the perfect image of God himself. This is why murder is outlawed in Scripture, because you are killing an expression, a unique creation from the facet of God's design that will never exist again, that will never be seen again, and you have deleted it from earth, and you have thus snuffed an aspect of God's very nature out in the earth. Because that person, whether black or white or Latino, is a unique imprint, a unique expression of Jehovah himself. Now, watch this. So, to hate one another intrinsically actually accuses the image of God. For me to look at a white person and say, I hate you, I don't like you, I'm hating some facet of the creative expression as differing as our cultures may be. I am impugning the very image of God by expressing my hatred towards something that he created, though different, reflects him equally. And vice versa. And vice versa. See, when we know, I, I may not know your culture, your language, but God said in the scriptures, you are made in his image. You get instant respect. Instant value is conferred upon you. So Genesis chapter 11, 1 through 7, is really the first mention of how ethnicities, ethnicities were formed. There should be a picture of a globe coming on here. When the time of Noah had come, there was a person by the name of Nimrod, and in Genesis chapter 11, it's called the Table of Nations by theologians. And in the Table of Nations, look how much God desired diversity, but unity and not uniformity. There were multiple shades and pigments and colors, but we were all united geographically speaking the same language. One culture, and do you know even etymologists and linguists show the relation? They even have things like the love languages. They're, they're, the family tree of language all goes back to one language. Well, I don't know if the Bible's true. You know, I don't know how long I could keep coming to these churches and listening to all this mess. Huh? Open a science book. You don't even need the Bible. All secular scientists get mad because only one book is consistently and, 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 and continually affirmed, and it is the truth claims of the scriptures. Come on, somebody. I didn't come to play games with you now today. What happens in Pangea is when the, the springs break up, Nimrod creates a building of flesh, astrology. Be careful with your little horror scopes. Not hor horror scopes. It's a demonic self-fulfilling prophecy. If you believe it, it can impregnate your destiny and your spirit. You don't need to worship the stars. You can bypass the stars to the one who made them. Amen. So Nimrod, 
creates, he takes advantage of this one world language, though different diversity and different pigments and colors and, and even cultures, they still had one communication system. And he says, you know what, we're going to unify, but instead of unifying and reconciling for heaven's purposes, there was a movement to reconcile against God's purposes. And God said, because the people are one voice, come on, one language, nothing. Now, when God says this, you know this is a fact. You could take it to the bank. He said, we got to go down. We can't send angels. We got to go down there, and we're going to have to. And here, you, here comes culture and ethnicity. We got to diffuse the language. See, God did that as an act of mercy. Can you, can you imagine if a serial killer can live because of his genetics so close to creation, 900 years perfecting his craft and gets better killing year after year over time and he's able to traverse different co uh, continents and different uh, geography because there's no language barrier? Can you imagine what the narcos could do if there was no language barrier? God said, oh, no. This power was demonstrated to bring unity of all right, uh, uh, expressions of, of culture and pigmentation, but it's being used to build a tower toward wickedness. So Pangaea, when he flooded the earth, God allowed the water to break the continents up. And, if you, and the picture shows you that when they're all put together, they fit perfectly as a puzzle. God not only divided the language, he created Acts 17 borders. Now, we have a border issue in our nation that's being made ethnic, but it could also be ideological. God is a God of borders. Borders is one letter short of order. When God created creation, he set a border between the darkness and the night. He called it day and night. When God set a border between the, the, the different ecosystems of the ocean and the land, he created a border. It was called the shoreline. When God created a border with humanity, it's called femininity and masculinity it's called male and that's called a genetic border god is a god of borders god is a god who created that as a mercy so that as people call and cry out to him there would be time before wicked could wickedness could proliferate are y'all with me today could accelerate and the gospel could reach different tribes and languages and cultures and tongues quicker than the earth can unify to accelerate its own destruction and wickedness. So God said, I'm going to have to separate them. I'm going to have to give them. Can you imagine them jokers just saying, we're going to worship the devil. And the next minute, they're like, what you? Hey, what, what are you talking about? What is that? And he like, said, we got to get with the baby bears. Got to get with the other baby bears. Come over here. Baby bear. Baby bear. Man, what is this? We don't know what this is. And then they're floating apart. God's like, I'm going to save the earth. My plane needs a couple thousand years more. You're going to mess it up too early. And he created ethnicities. But God split the continent. But his plan from the beginning was always to draw all nations. Genesis chapter 12, 1 through 3 says this. Even though God created Israel to be a model nation to draw not for elitism and racism and classism, but to draw all cultures. And we can see proof of that when God takes the first Semitic person and creates a Hebrew out of him in Genesis 12 by the name of Abram. The Bible actually says in verse 1 through 3, it speaks about that God would bless Abraham's family. Get out from your country and your father's house to a land I'll show you. Now watch this. 
Look at verse 2. Then that I will make you a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great, and you should be a blessing. But this is where most people miss this. And, I, and he says in verse 3, he says, And I will bless them that bless you and curse them that curse you, and in you shall only your family in the earth be blessed. Wait a minute now. Hold on. Now, that's a nod toward racial reconciliation and ethnic unity. Before the Jewish nation existed, he said, let me roll my plan out to you. It's bigger than the Jews. It's bigger than Israel. I, because of sin, I had to diaspora and spread out my people through continents and Pangea. But through the gospel, eventually, I'm going to reunite my people. And watch this. I'm going to blow your mind. Genesis 11 contrasts Acts chapter 2, because in Acts chapter 2, the Bible says that they received a language from heaven, another government, another culture, another world, and they all spoke the languages of heaven. That was the reinstitution of the one world language. So if you're born again and you have the DNA of Jesus in your bloodstream, you have been recreated a new ethnicity. And what makes an ethnicity is language and culture. So Latinos can be different. Puerto Ricans ain't Mexicans. Mexicans ain't Puerto Ricans. Come on, Dominicans. Come on. Hello. But we're Latinos because we share one language. Language and culture separate. So God has given, look how beautiful this is. In the spirit, a new race was born. Not for elitism over one another, but over the works of Satan. And to unify, and now we all can speak one spirit language, and we share one unique culture, and our culture is the constitution of the kingdom, the Bible. This is our culture with marriage, our culture with sex, our culture with economics. You ain't talking to me. Our culture with friendships. Everything we live, breathe, and eat, and do comes from this book. And this kingdom culture trumps natural culture. Say this with me. I never elevate my culture above the kingdom. Say, I never place my pigment above biblical principle. Oh, let me watch my clock. Oh, gotta hurry up. Amen. So very quickly... And I want to show you this. When you're born again, turn to Galatians chapter 3. Uh, we'll look at verse 7 through 8. We'll drop to 14 and 26 through 29. Look, somebody say, you're going to get this word today. You're going to rub your hands too when you tell them. Go like this. You're going to get this word today. You're going to get this. Galatians chapter 3 and verse 7. Look what this says. I want to show, I want to fast forward a couple hundred years now. We're fast forwarding between, from Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. You see God not only establishes a nation, but in Leviticus, he establishes sanitation laws, marital laws. You understand how revolutionizing it was for God to say, you won't sleep with your relatives and your aunt. We look at that today like, man, what kind of mess is this in Leviticus? What is that? Animals and carrying on. When, they, when men have no gospel, they're uncivilized. God created us. You know, a synonym for righteousness means to stand upright. It means to be sentient, which means that God didn't create you to be an animal running around mating with anything that you think you're in heat with. He said, stand up, be upright, walk on two feet, and it's a synonym for righteousness to be head and shoulders above the impulses of creation. And Galatians 3 and verse 7, look what this says very quickly. It says, so to those who are the true children, say the true children, of Abraham will have the same faith 
Notice it's not ethnic, it's ideological. As their father. Now, verse 8. God's plan all along, look at that, all along, say all along, along. was to bring this message of salvation to just the Jewish nation. Oh, my, that's the New World Translation. That's the Jehovah Witness Bible, huh? Let me go back to this one. (laughs) To all the nations. So you can easily say that word is often translated in New Testament as ethnos, which means you can easily read this, that God's plan of salvation was to come to all colors, cultures, and ethnicities. Through the revelation of faith, long ago God prophesied over Abraham as the Holy Scripture says. So now the Apostle Paul's expressing what we see through the Abrahamic covenant. He said, through your example of faith, all the nations will be blessed. How can the Bible be a racist book when it's telling you from Genesis to Revelation, God's plan was to bring black and white and unify them. And, and, and Ephesians 2 said he broke down walls of prejudice. When you reconcile the God, you can reconcile the people. Now drop very quickly for time's sake down to verse uh, 14. Verse 14, he says, Jesus, our Messiah, was cursed in our place and so doing dissolved the curse from our lives so that all the blessings of Abraham can be poured out upon even non-Jewish believers. Smack your neighbor and say, that's you. Now, if we have any Jews in here, most of us ain't Jews, amen. And now God gives us the promise of the wonderful Holy Spirit who lives within us. And then verse 26 through 29, very fast, that you have all become the children of God by faith in Jesus, the anointed one. It was faith that immersed you into Jesus, the anointed one. And now you are covered and clothed with his anointing. Verse 28, and we no longer, watch this now, we no longer see each other. In our former state, Jew or non-Jew, they can easily translate in Americanized culture as black and white. Mm. Rich or poor, classism, economic oppression, broken by the cross. Male or female, because he just said that in Ephesians 2, and he's recapitulating that in Galatians 3. Because we're all one through our union with Jesus Christ with no distinction between us. Say, this is a colorless church. Now, we're colorful and multifaceted, multi-ethnic, but listen, when we lift our, our ethnicity above our identity in Christ, that is ethnic idolatry. Ethnocentrism becomes the kissing cousin of racism. When my color and my culture is more important than the advancement of your particular pigment or people or culture, that is idolatry ethnically. Some of us are willing to walk away from Jesus because of our shade of skin. Thank God Jesus wasn't white. I'd say I'm glad he wasn't black and he wasn't white. I'm glad... He was, he was looking like one of them Arabs from the Middle East because they all mixed in that diaspora in Europe. And no, Jesus didn't look uh, like he was European. He, that, that's a fact. Okay, he probably looked Puerto Rican <laughs> with the long locks. You know what I mean? You want to see Jesus? I'm just saying. I'm just saying. I, look, let's get back. Okay. All right. <laughs> now, since you've been united to Jesus the Messiah, you are now Abraham's child and inherit all the promises of the kingdom realm. Genetically and ethnically, your bloodline was shifted from an earthly ethnicity to a spiritual DNA in Jesus. 
And now you are not just metaphorically or figuratively, you are literal spiritual sons and daughters of God with the unique diversity of your outward cultures and colors converging in Christ. Are y'all with me today? Say, it ain't black privilege. It ain't white privilege. It's Christ privilege. Can I show that to you super fast? John 1, 12 in the Amplified. You know what it actually says? To as many as received him. Again, no classism, no racism. To as many as received him. To them. How do I get it? By receiving Jesus. Gave the privilege. There you go. If God be for you, who can be against you? You know that applies to racism? It don't matter if everybody don't like you or oppresses you. If God be who? Look at somebody, go like this. Who? Look at somebody with an attitude because you got something you had to add to, you have your coffee anyway. Who? Who? Amen. Oh, I got so much I can't. I'm going to have to come back another time. But number one, how do you reconcile? I'm going to just give these to you. I'm not going to even give you this. I'll just give you the references and we'll stop here for today. Amen. How do we reconcile and how do we do this in the church? Number one, I pretty much said it's basic. We cultivate a kingdom mindset in people. Oh, that's basic. No, it ain't basic. Listen, there's the gospel was not the kingdom. The gospel was entry-level understanding to access the kingdom. Jesus did not... See, it's one thing to preach Jesus. It's another thing to preach what Jesus preached. The gospel is submitting your life to Christ, breaking the blood oaths and curse off of you that every ethnic culture has, and deleting it through the perfect blood, the sinless strand of Jesus' genetics flowing through your veins, washing every broken curse. But then, when that is broken off of you, you have the ability now to become a new man, a new creation in Christ Jesus. So a kingdom mindset is the kingdom affects government, spheres of influence, politics, and entire infrastructure societally and socially. And the entry levels through the gospel. The way we destroy a spirit of racism first is by proclaiming the gospel. And then that sin strand, the virus of sin, is vaccinated out of people's bloodline. Broken off of them. Hatred is a work of the flesh. Blaming others because of your lot in life is a work of the flesh. Oh, my God. This is facts. And then the second one, just for time's sake, is never align with any ethnic narrative that elevates your culture above Christianity or your pigment above biblical principle. I said that earlier. Never do it. One last statement I said in the last service, I think bears repeating because especially people of color in our community and even people who are Caucasian or white, there's attacks and rises of ethnic identity cults saying, I have a greater claim of superiority. I'm the chosen people. Let me tell you something. Even if your ethnicity was chosen, then what? You're still going to have to stop fornicating. You're still going to have to pray. Come on, somebody. I'm chosen. You feel better now, player? You're chosen. I'm glad you're chosen. Let's go. Get you behind the church. But, but I'm chosen. Uh, but I'm cho What's that mean? 
You still got to obey Jesus and follow the Holy Spirit, crucify your flesh. You still going to have to fast. You still going to have to give. You still going to have to evangelize. Well, I thought if I was chosen, I would command y'all to do that. Get out of here with that garbage. <laughs> Say, I'm chosen in Christ. Amen. But just for time's sake, that's all I have. Amen. Uh, how many of you were blessed today? What I wanted you to exit with today is simply one, one walkaway point. Don't allow your confidence, whether you're white, there's beauty in whiteness. There's beauty in blackness. There's beauty in Latinos and Asians. Don't allow the unregenerate sentiment of sinners in our culture to infect your identity in Christ. Don't allow what you see on MSNBC and CNN and Fox get you so riled up that you have rage and now seeds of bitterness and racial hatred are being imparted into your heart when the true filter of all media and imagery and beliefs and values and ethics should be filtered through the scriptures. Matthew 24, Jesus said, ethnicity is going to rise against ethnicity. It's a prophetic, ironclad thing, that's, and we're seeing the signs of the time coming. But he did say this, herein will the world know that you are my disciples, if you have love. Now, that doesn't just mean you love only people who hate you in every culture, and you just run out of your way. You, you, you want to do it, but he's saying, first work on home. He's speaking to the church. When they see them fighting and choking each other out there, black and white, and black and white are intermarrying in the church, and our kids are going to the playground, and we barbecuing, and they over here like, man, what? The love of Jesus. Come on, amen. Stand to your feet very briefly. Come on. God bless you. Thank you for a couple extra minutes, and I'm honored to minister to this. Send this to your nephews, your nieces, your cousins in other states. First service and this service, because many are questioning the veracity of Scripture and the Word of God, this is your impact point, is the most unracist, multicolored, multicultural book that has impacted racism against racism on every continent and civilization when it has been taught accurately. There's no excuse for ignorance today in the age of information. We choose in for ignorance when we don't research. Amen. God bless you. Okay. Amen. Listen, while you're standing, I want you to just bow your head for just a moment. There may be some of you in here and say, Pastor, what you preach, I I've been talking. Man, I've been in a barbershop. Come on, y'all. The beauty. And we've been having these conversations sidebar saying, and I haven't known what to say. I haven't really understood. I know God's word is true. I believe he's, Christ is my Lord and Savior. But thank you for sharing this today. But first I want to say, if you're in here and you say, you know, Pastor, I just never knew the Bible was so against racism. And God's heart has always been for every color, pigment, and culture to love and celebrate. And I, I, I need to get some stuff out of my heart. Maybe you were a victim of racism. You could be white. There are a lot of our white brothers and sisters today. Who are also enduring a lot of hatred and racism we can't perpetuate that to others even when we know what that feels like living under that when will the church rise above and show the love of Jesus 
If you're here today and you say, Pastor, I need to pray a prayer in my heart right now. God has to break that ethnocentrism and that elitism in our own hearts first before he can start bringing whites and Latinos and Asians and Indians and people from every facet and culture. We must see the beauty. So pray this prayer with me. I want the whole congregation to say, Father, in the name of Jesus, break down the walls of prejudice in my heart from real experiences or being impacted by images. I will not allow hatred to infect my soul. So I repent. I cannot control what's been done to me, but I can control my response. I choose love. I choose forgiveness. I reject the root of bitterness. And I say, Lord, I will be your vessel to preach your gospel to every color, every pigment. Satan has no power over me. I am free from unforgiveness. I am free from stereotypes. I am free from insecurity. In the name of Jesus, amen. If you prayed that prayer in your heart, I believe God has set you free today. There may be coworkers and people you have to call and say, look, it wasn't right, but I want you to know I forgive you. Mm -hmm. People you work with right now, when are you going to lift the standard of love? Because those may be the very people you have to win. You know, there's a Canaanite woman that she was oppressed by the Jews who were oppressed. And they oppressed the lower class even than them. And they would call these women and Canaanites dogs, almost like racial slurs. And this woman needed a miracle, and Jesus tested if she could overcome her racism because of his ethnic Jewishness to receive the miracle she needed. He said it ain't right to give the bread to the dogs because she had hatred in her heart for the Jewish people when you study it. When she overcame that and said, I will never let a slur, I will never let a, a, a particular term or word stop me from God's best, it was just a test. He said, daughter. He called her daughter. Your faith. Great is your faith. And she was restored. Some of us can't be healed till we loose that seed of racism in our heart. You got to let it go. Nah, but I'm tired of it. Why we always got to let it go? Because you saved. I don't know what unbelievers do, but Christians forgive us. As we for who violate us. Praise God. Let's, let's do this. Let's transition right into that. Because see, he, he's a pastor. How I many know he's an evangelist? So if I don't shut him off, <laughs> he's got so much in him. That's he true. will go, That's listen, true. I mean, he will go because it's so good. I mean, but but, but with an evangelist, if you don't if you don't pull the plug. They don't know how to pull the That's plug. a fact. That's a fact right there, right? And it so is. we've all just had an opportunity to repent from what's going on in our hearts. Amen. How many know that's the first step? Now you need to take that second step. See, I'm turning away from something, but I need to turn to something. Amen. So if you